Hello Sixes, welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagey. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation today. This is two very different sixes really exploring life journeying. We talk about the Enneagram, of course. We dig into some of the deeper pieces a little bit. We talk a lot about community and support and how that can be challenging for us and through very different lenses, what that can look like. This is just such a fascinating conversation. We didn't even totally know what we were going to talk about, and I just love how it turned out. I know you're going to enjoy it. So please meet Dr. Leora Elias, and I'll talk to you all soon. Okay, sixes, welcome back. We have an interview today with Leora Elias, PhD. You're the first person on the podcast that we just met this moment. So you're the first like stranger to me. How does that, that's a distinctive honor. How's that feel? Love it. Happy to be the first. So fun. So Leora and I met on Instagram, like one, like, you know, people do. And you are a six, you're a coach, you're a college professor. Tell us more about who you are, and then we're just going to get into all the sexy things, and it's going to be super fun. Awesome, yeah. Well, yep, you, that's a great introduction. I'm a college professor. I am uh, launching an Enneagram coaching business as we speak. Oh, fun. And Tell us very- about um, professoring. What do you, yeah. what do you professorize? Yeah. So I teach in communication studies and the I teach in media studies and public speaking. Um yeah, cool. I know, I know. And it's funny, I was talking to my coach, my Enneagram coach, and she was like, be your best student. Be your best student, like giving me a recommendation for talking with you today. That's always such good advice. Okay, we have to hang out on the public speaking. This is like the number one fear of humans, basically. Yeah. Right? So many people would rather do pretty much anything than speak publicly. Yes. Was that true for you before you started teaching? Or is that something that comes easy to you? Like, what's that like? It's funny, actually. When I started teaching in public speaking, I had very little experience public speaking very little and so all of my public speaking experience was experiential learning just like thrown into it and here you go here's a classroom here's some students and teach them the thing that you are like I mean scared to do yeah I mean at the beginning it was like what I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and I've never really taught in a university setting before mm-hmm. and so much new 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 and um just new to the material and and as a um I never even had taken a public speaking course as a student oh my God. so but I was as a grad student I did was put in positions beyond teaching to to practice my public speaking skills in lecture halls or um, with faculty. So, so did yeah. you know you were a six during that? Like, when did you 
When did the Enneagram come online for you? I actually did not know I was a six throughout my whole of my graduate career. Mm-hmm. And for a few, like a handful of years into my teaching, it, my um, like sixiness has been online for about the last four years. Mm-hmm. Mid-career. And did Mid-career. it reveal a bunch to you about you? Were you like, oh, wow. So explains why this has been so hard. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went through, well, I mean, dissertation life and graduate school is already anxiety central. And then you take, like, um, power dynamics and, like, bureaucracy and disempowerment, (laughs) like, all kinds of challenges. And then you add, like, so much doubt, so much doubt. Uh, around my like I mean it's hard to like as a six like even today it's hard to claim myself as an expert and totally and I and like very much intellectually realize that I've gotten the doctorate and I've like gained all of the, the credentials and um yeah the like the looking toward another person to kind of like put that stamp of approval or or groups of people or a court, like any kind of certificate, give me the, the stamps of this approval. This is what I see this all of the time, right? Sixes just think they need one more certification, one more this, one more that. It's not, no, that never works, right? It's never enough if we don't go in and learn how to, validate our own selves and just make decisions about what's enough. Like that whole never enough thing is, oh gosh. Yeah. It's pretty never ending. Yeah. Those external things will not cap the doubt. They just yeah. won't. That's just what yeah. the brain's going to do. No. Yeah. yeah it's so just good like, to yeah. know. I mean, I think yeah. the quicker we come around to the idea that, oh, my brain doubts me. That's literally its job. We can start to relate to it and work with it in different ways instead of trying to get it to stop yeah the noticing that's like that's been a really big key for me so I went through all of graduate school without any of that and I like finished my doctorate and started teaching with pretty like pretty demoralized honestly like just Mm. like like I got the thing that felt impossible so I had this sense of accomplishment yeah and that was winning too but also I was like beat down by the like the work schedule so much like the intensity the pressure the do 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 produce produce that didn't let up once you had the piece of paper not really not really that makes sense yeah 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 and then luckily and this was like it was one of two things I like, like I've been reflecting on, um, like how I got to Enneagram, how I got to 12 step and 12, it was 12 step that, that I landed in that led me to Enneagram kind of. Ooh, so like, let's talk yeah, about I've that. Had, so I've had two moments or two like big things in life that I feel like have been, um, like universe nudges. And the first was, so I was out of grad school and I was pretty like just down and 
like kind of turned around too because like what like I had this like I was having a lot of inner dialogue that was like you 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 just did it like you did you met your goal and you like you what like why now can you feel good like is it possible right. <laughs> and yeah. yeah and so I was um just I was I like I have six wing wing to the five so like kind of self-isolating yeah and um just like kind of living in some levels of self-pity mm-hmm. and also I, sexy carry on yeah yeah and so I'm so but I'm longing for something different like that de- like desperately longing for something different and I'm hearing from the voices of friends and therapists like hey, 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 there's this thing called Al-Anon, but I'm not listening. I'm not like, I'm mm. really not listening. It go. It took like probably 12 or like maybe even 15 like nudges of that same ilk until I got myself into the rooms. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's where I kind of track like the beginnings of my coming into awareness, like walking out of the, the like, full-on programming. Yeah. What what are some of the key things you learn in Al-Anon? I think codependency is probably a big thing that comes out of there. Yeah. Learning that glommy dynamic we have with others. Yeah. I mean, the lessons of my, the lessons of Al-Anon for me are endless. I could have like my own, like, like my own podcast. Like I could really just speak on it for the lessons of Al-Anon, but like the things that stick out to me as the most fundamental have to do with relationships. Yeah. Like really intentionally practicing the skills that we're learning in the rooms outside of the rooms with each other so that like the relationship work becomes experiential yeah. And therefore embodied, which I'd never like as a trust with this like mega trust stuff, like mm-hmm. even just getting into that room and uh, agreeing with them that they can help me was uh, like that was a significant step for me. What did you did you go in not knowing what you wanted help with or were you clear on what you wanted help with? Were you just like, I'm here because people said I should be here? Were you, and you don't have to get personal, but like, was there addiction, alcoholism, like in oh, your- Oh yeah, addiction, okay. uh, alcoholism was touching my life in a very close way. Yeah. And- um, So that's but, how you ended up there. And then were you like, this is what I need help with? Or you were just like, hi. I knew I was <laughs> doing me. the same things. I knew I'd been doing the same things over and over and over again. And I was on this yeah. loop and the loop was not getting me where I was wanted to go, which was really just to a, like, can I have some peace? Yeah, it, exactly. Well, and what's interesting is what really catalyzed it for you. Part of it was this achievement. Yeah. And I think there is something, it's just so fascinating. It's like, I reached this huge goal. I still feel bad. What the hell? What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really disorienting that like you talk about that in a different podcast, like how six is particularly around that disorienting, like what, what is, what is up and what is down? What is real is not real. And those like the dualities, like we live in the dualities, but it's also quite disorienting. Totally. And to really be met with the reality that 
external achievements or external anything isn't going to fundamentally deal with that internal stuff, that is a key moment to your point. Well, That's yeah. like a boom. What? Yeah. Yeah. You and I really thought, like I thought, I think the three in me thought that I would get that moment of like, yeah. um, you, get, you get the accomplishment, you get the piece of paper, you walk mm -hmm. away with a doctorate and you have achieved. And so right. like, which is yeah, true. Thought, yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that, yeah, I thought that that was like an ending of sorts, but it wasn't, it was totally. a beginning. Yeah. Okay. So you go into Al-Anon and you, they're like, Hey, we can help you feel better. And did you yeah. find yourself like, I, I also have experience with 12 step on the other side. I should have also been an Al-Anon, but I went the other direction. Cause I had, I had the problems on all the ends. Um, but I, ended up being pretty judgy, I think, of the people in the room. So were you like afraid of them, judging them? Sort of what position did you take that distanced you from the help in the beginning? Oh, yeah. It took me years to like really get that this was a helping space. Mm -hmm. I was very skeptical, very, very Just skeptical. It's a good, good one. Good 61. Yes, like, totally. So, so unbelievably skeptical. And like, also, um, like there's a level of disbelief that was just like, like, I, cause I was like, I think I've tried a lot of things. Like I've been in individual therapy, I've done all these workbooks and I've done all the, like, I've read all these, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm look searching and like, why here? Also, I was very against the idea of a support group for some reason, like it, it That's just, kind of what I mean by the above thing, right? Sometimes we're just like, I don't want to be in your group, you know, in your case, like I'm a freaking doctor. What do I mean? <laughs> yeah. Smarter than everybody in this room. Yeah. Like yeah. I had this sense that I was like, what, what am I even doing here? But yeah. I, but. Why did you keep going? I, I just, okay. Well, it was feeling good. Oh, you did start to feel better, even in the midst of all of your. I mean, it was a it was a slow go. It was a slow go, but like I was leaving the meeting on, on the in the moment to moment, mm -hmm. like generally either having some kind of lesson or realization or epiphany, or um, or even like learning about like my hard things. Like like there's a group of friends and they'd go to lunch sometimes. And I one time remembered like rejecting myself from that group and knowing that it wasn't like I knew I was like, it can't be them. This is like the warmest group that's ever come in my direction. They're embracing me. They're inviting me. It's unconditional. It's an open invitation. And I, I, I rejected me and I like, a, I created a thing where I'm like, I don't belong. Like, mm. I, I, did you know at the time you were doing that? Well, I knew it. I didn't know it at the, in those moments. Like I was but, doing it. And then I was coming back through more and more Al-Anon. And then I was like, oh, I'm looking at it now. And I started to look back at like, what was, what were those voices and why? Like, yeah. Do you have answers to those questions? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. Some of it, some <laughs> of it is like the, the typical like 60 rejection stuff, like reject, I got to reject, uh, if, if I reject me, it's before you have a chance to do so. 
Oh, it's so painful. Okay. Okay. Let's hang out here, here for a second. So because I lean more counterphobic, I pretty blatantly wholesale reject groups, communities, and feel very, this is, this is gross, right? I don't try to live here, but this is my, my um, automatic stuff, right? It's like, even the whole Enneagram world. I mean, I've talked about this before. I'm like, though, that's a mess. I'm not getting involved with those people as I'm like, Enneagram six coach. I'm like, forget that Enneagram people. Ew. So, and so just like wholesale communities, institutions, I'm just like, no, no, no. It's so hard to come in, but I do it from a superiority place. So is your positioning of rejection, is it superiority or is it like the under? Because I'm hearing some of the like, oh, they won't like me. It's the under. It's the under okay, version. Talk it through a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's more like, um, it's kind of like, if I go, I could go. Um, but it would kind of confirm that I already don't belong. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> And this is only, this is me doing this to me. This is fully. Oh, totally. No, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, um, it's so interesting to hear both of us talk about it because it's the same fear, just different posture. Yeah. So you, like you're saying, you do the self-rejecting. I just do a reject everybody. <laughs> it's so cringy. Yeah. Um, but it's just a different posture. Same fear. Both of us are essentially avoiding yeah being rejected by a group exactly yeah you reject self first i reject the group first and right. then we just are kind of managing this throughout okay so how has that softened for you oh well yeah that's changed a lot a mm -hmm. lot a lot because once i realized i was doing that i was i was able to like just recognize that that wasn't how I wanted to show up. And also that I had been self-creating problems for my own ways of being in the world and connecting with community and agreeing to my like position that I belong, even in the spaces that are so open arms. Okay. So that's what's what I'm hearing coming out about the Al-Anon is you knew this was an open place. You knew yeah. this was essentially an accepting place and you could see these people were open and accepting. So when you still were having your same stuff, you're like, I knew it was me. Oh. Yes. Yes. It, it was like, oh, this is me. This is me. And it's my job to sort out how to create my own sense of belonging in all the places that I bring myself to. And it's and not going to be another person or group. And because if the most welcoming group can't do it, it's a me problem. Totally. Oh, that's so good. And so for me, it's the exact same work. I have to go into a space by choice, let it be messy, let myself just like be in this messy space and be messy and human in it and see that like, oh yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. fine. I just have to be uncomfortable all the time as I'm interacting with the different people. And that's just, that's just community. That's just life. Yeah. That's just being in it. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. That's so interesting. There was another thing you said in there that I wanted to come back to. Well, I was going to say that the Enneagram world has like one of the things that I found to be like in common with uh, the world of Al-Anon is this like in in my experience, and I know this is like very partial and individualized, but like I found the Enneagram community as a whole to be also a very like open embrace, welcoming, add another chair, make the circle bigger type of experience. Even the, even this podcast is like that, right? Where mm-hmm. like we're strangers. We just like, we met on Instagram and I'm like, Hey, I'm an aspiring coach. I'm launching a coaching business. And you're like, okay, let's make the circle a little bigger. I want to know about your sexiness. And that is new for me. So when I was new as a coach, there was just so much fear that I was unaware of, right? So it's like I had to kind of like, it's 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 been work for me to open my own circle without feeling like that's somehow going to take from me. Yeah, that's a real conscious effort because it's, it's, um, it's scary. I have this thing. Okay. So you can imagine, right. I have clients constantly sending me, listen to this, read this, look at this. And my brain always automatically says, oh, they think I don't know that. Oh, they think I don't know anything. Like I'm that sensitive that people who've literally paid me money I think they're like, oh, Kristen doesn't know this. She needs to learn. Like probably not what their brain is doing, right? But just really being aware of my own sensitivities in like, Kristen, (laughs) you can just take your place in the group and trust has been, gosh, just a huge part of the work. Yeah. So it's, I'm, and I'm so glad because I would hate to miss out on experiences like this because I'm being so sensitive and like scared of losing. Well, yeah. And then there's that circle backstory that I mentioned before when we were chatting about how it was your words, like your learnings that have, have been like, um, just side note, like I'm learning a lot from you and your podcast, like a lot of lessons. I can quote you. Even life has lived in the tiny examples. I love that quote. But yeah, but it was you. It was your learnings that nudged me and like got into my head to make, uh, like reach out to you and to put myself in the position to have a conversation with you on your podcast. Awesome. (laughs) It's so full circle. And I think that is honestly, that's the trust piece, right? It's like we put ourselves out. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Let's hang out there. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. How have you expanded your capacity to live not knowing what's going to happen in these communities, in relationships? Yeah. Well, uh, there's so much letting go of certainty that I've had to do, but I think like in the example of like, if we take the example of, I did the worst case scenario of like, what would be the worst case scenario if I asked Kristen to interview me and she's like, no, that's not right for my podcast. What's the worst case scenario? I just like go on with my day and like find another person to interview me on a, a podcast or or don't get interviewed on a podcast, but like the worst case scenario, I still am me and I'm still living my life and I'm still like doing my thing. So orienting to 
actually answering the worst case scenario question, this is a place we leave ourselves high and dry all of the time. We leave ourselves fully in the what ifs without bringing on our productive thinking brain and doing what you just said. Like, okay, hold on. What if that did happen? And then we actually access some internal resourcing that does exist usually. We're just so not as, it's almost like we experience ourselves as like empty inside. Yeah. But when we do the work to really bring our brains online and look, there's a lot in there. There's actually a lot of internal resourcing already accessible. We just don't know to look for it. Right. And then there's the, and then with the yes, for me came with like this mix of anxiety, excitement that was um, like, is this anxiety? Is this excitement? Is this anxiety? Is this excitement? Like, I don't know, but I'm going to just say that it's a, like, I know this is a positive thing and I'm looking for exposure and I'm trying to talk about the Enneagram and I'm want to be part of this community. I am part of this community. Mm. And, um, I love that. Yeah. All so of what that. do you want to, oh. let's talk about the Enneagram. Yeah. What do you love about it? What made you want to coach? Yeah. It's a crazy okay. thing being a coach. It's the coolest job ever. And it's just crazy. I'm like, what yeah. is this life? Yes. So, okay. So I was introduced to the Enneagram a handful of years ago. And at first it was like, um, like I said, I think I got some universe nudges. Like it was like all over. People were talking about it and I was hearing it, but I wasn't listening. And like, eventually I went to a friend who's very much has spent personal, her personal development work has been through the Enneagram. And she was like, just in casual conversation, she talked about it a lot. So I went As to- As we do once it's part of our lexicon. Yes. Yeah. So I went to her and I was like, what is this thing that you, you keep saying this word? It's Enneagram. I do not know what you're talking about. And I do want to know. I have a deep curiosity. And also I think like it's been like I've just been hearing this word so many times. So what is it? So she gave me um, like a book recommendation. At the, it was a road back to you. And she gave me like a primer, which was really good for my preparedness needs. Like also like, hey she knows that I tend to lean towards secular and there's some like non-secular stuff in that book. So she was kind of like, uh, take what you want and leave the rest with this. But it like, here, here you go. Here's a good start. Also don't, don't rely on a test, <laughs> which is good. I, I had a okay. good setup. Excellent yeah. job, friend. Yes. <laughs> Set up. So I, re I read and I read and I read, I kind of never stopped reading. Um, but then so I, I, it wasn't hard for me to get to my six. I was, for there was a time where I was like, am I a six, am I a five, am I a six, am I a five? The, uh, I do think I like lean into the five, mm -hmm. but the clarity of like, now it's a clear self-pressed six is like right there. Do you there. think it was easier for you to find because you lead with self-pressed, which tends to be the more stereotypical way six is taught and understood um I can tell you like my first like one of the knowings that I was a six came out of a book that was I can't I was just looking at it last night kind of reflecting and preparing for our talk mm -hmm. and the quote I don't 
have the source, but it had, it was like, it was, it said something like, all humans once introduced to their fixation will be motivated to change. For the six, they might experience immediate relief knowing mm. about their, like, their fear. Mm. And I had a whoosh, like a real, like a whoosh. And it, it dawned on me for the first time after like, that one single sentence that not all humans are in the fishbowl of fear that I've been living in. Like, I, I oh. didn't know. Yeah. And did you know you were living in a fishbowl of fear? I think you did based on what you said earlier. Well, I, mean, I had no I realized it. Yeah. I mean, I'd been swimming in it, but like, yeah, that just that quote and the like, it like that, it revealed enough for you to be like, it kind of like all came together in one. It moment. all came together in one moment. Like, <sighs> wow. yeah. And I got a, like a real clear moment of clarity. And it was, I think the first time in my whole life that I had a like a clear mind for a moment. Mm. It, I know those moments. They're so powerful. Like everything falls away and it's just clarity, like, like head to toe. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> That's so powerful. Well, okay. So then my, like just um, more and more in getting more and more into Enneagram, more and more into learning about my 60ness. But then I, I set it down. I was doing it in a personal development setting yeah. I started I was going to workshops and stuff but I like I really set it down and then but I I kind of this is the the story of how I um kind of moved into Enneagram coaching from teaching mm -hmm. and so I had this juncture in my teaching life where and this was a, a very sexy moment where I had a conflict with the administration and it had to do with uh, student interaction and the student and the department didn't back me up. And it was a very sexy, like, anti, like, okay, I, I count on you, authority. I count on you to back me up in these situations. And then I further had a conversation, a follow-up conversation with the interim chair at the time. And she said something during our meeting that was like, where do you see yourself in two or three years? And that question kind of sat with me because, well, when she said it, I had no vision, <laughs> like mm -hmm. no vision for what that, like what, and also I had, I'd become pretty like, keep my head down. I'm going to be a teacher, like very, the sixty like loyal mm. and steadfast and, Without actually thinking about that or necessarily choosing that, just like, oh, now I just, yeah, yeah. The yeah, it's like all of these rules the I have familiar. in my Yeah, like this is familiar. I know what I'm doing. I'm getting better at it. I mean, I don't really see me going anywhere, but then, but I get this like, okay, I think I am going to put this as an, there's going to be, I think I'm going to have a new professional chapter. I just don't know what it is. So... Did that surprise you? Kind of. Like, but also not. I'm here. Like it was it was surprising and also like totally terrifying. Right. Cause and, you will hello, you just did all of this work and like years and money and the whole deal. 
and like climb the freaking mountain. And then there's this like, and you'll probably do something else. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I had no idea what it was, but mm-hmm. I'd had enough like time in recovery to know to pause. So, um, yeah. So I just did. I just paused and paused and paused and paused and I was kept teaching, kept teaching. But then when I kept, when I revisited the question, like, what is this next chapter? What does the next chapter hold? What do I want it to hold? So I kept just getting nudges like it. And it was from inside. It was like Enneagram, Enneagram, mm. Enneagram's calling, the Enneagram's calling. And I had, at that time, I had no idea even that it was an option to do Enneagram anything professionally. Like I didn't have a lot. I like, there's not, there's a vibrant Enneagram community here, but there are not a lot of like professional people making livings out of Enneagram work. That's true. In my spheres. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea. And, but then, so, but it's like, it's just there. And I'm, and I have this knowing now, like it's there and there's going to be some pieces and they're going to come together. So, and I had this just sense that it somehow would, but I didn't really know how or like. Yeah. So so, then you started pursuing coaching as opposed to just your own development and learning. Yes. So last summer I met my partner and she happens to be a web developer and um, MorganLennon.com. She's really good, really creative. Morgan Lennon, Morgan Lennon creative.com. Yes. <laughs> she is um, really good, really savvy. And she brings, she makes things look cool, including me. So we kind of <laughs> teamed up, we teamed up and she was on board for like making this vision a reality, the mm-hmm. vision, the imagining of it. Mm-hmm. She's on board. So we just started projecting on it and creating the like infrastructure for it to be a real thing. Did you have an idea? Do you have an idea? I'm going to move my mic here. Of who specifically you want to coach? It's still a really very much a question mark. And I, it's actually been thinking a lot. And this is, um, this may be a 60 thing, but I've actually had a question for you about your coaching and your 60ness and your, and you coaching sixes. But like, I don't have a vision. I think I tend to think the people that are going to be drawn to me are people who are living in, indifference in some kind of way like whether Mm. it's to do with sexuality or relationship structure um yeah your messaging is very clear in that way which is awesome very inclusive very open very encouraging of like your selfness yeah it's fabulous yes yes like living in gender in Mm -hmm. gender binaries Mm -hmm. um, racial categories i think those are the people that are gonna find like what they're looking for when they're coming to me Mm-hmm. But I've been interested in like, um, like I remember you said on your podcast that like people were saying, don't narrow down to just fixes. <laughs> and I, and I think it's like a, a testament to the, like those, those inner knowings, like you just knew, but like, yeah. I had a question about like, so what happens if you get a person who thinks they're a six mm-hmm. and they start working with you? And then it becomes clear that maybe they're not. What What then? It is not even a little bit a problem because my coaching is very little Enneagram based. I right. have, I was trained differently. I've, you know, 
you know how we are, right? So I've collected so many different certifications. I do tons of somatic work. So it does not matter at all. I use, I truly use 60 language to unshame behavior. So I really try not to, oh, well, you do that because you're a six. Oh, let's look at your bloody blah fix or your whatever, whatever. Like my approach is very much, um, you're a human. And if they get going on something that they feel shamey about, it's more like, well, yeah, that makes sense because you're a six. So that's really how I use the Enneagram uh, very intentionally. And I kind of always, even though I wasn't specifically trained the way I'm trained now in terms of unshaming and trauma and all that stuff, I always had a sense to use it for good, if that makes any sense, right? Like don't wield tools against people, but like, just like, yeah, of course you're like that. Makes yeah. sense. And yeah. and so it has this like, oh, calming effect. Cause then you can coach and then you can do work when we're locked in our shame, you know, you can't do any work. So that's, so it, for me, it's not a problem at all. I'm like, do the work of being a human, learn how to feel your feelings, connect to your body, look at your relationships, right? Like that's all so separate from Enneagram specific work. Totally, totally. That tracks. Yeah. And that's happened. I've definitely had people who are like, oh, I think I'm a nine. Oh, I think I'm a two. Oh, I'm, it's never been a problem at all. I I think it's one of the pitfalls of the Enneagram to be like, do your numbers work? I'm always a little like, meh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we all have, I think, the way I see it is that we all have all the, we all have, we're, we're all, we can all can be tracked to all of the Enneagram and some things are going to pop more and some things are going to be more present at different times in life. There are, totally. there are some numbers that I relate to way more than others. Yes. But they're all there. Which is, okay, so I say all this about like Enneagram, Schmenneagram, but then I do think there's a lot around the instincts that's really helpful. I think there is a lot around tri-type that's really helpful. I did a ton of work before I ever did any tri-type stuff. I do not think it's necessary. However, learning my tri-type explains so much of how differently I present than other sixes. And it just helps It just helps me understand myself at a slightly deeper level. Um. So it's really a both and, right? Like these tools are incredible. Yeah, I don't know. What would be your answer to that? Let's say someone came to you and they're like, oh, I think I'm a whatever. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I'm not anymore. Yeah. Well, I I like to talk about like these numbers as like kind of part of being part of the journey. I've heard of people identifying in one number space and then years later being like, I was in a different, I was not that number. And I'm, I can, I'm more, I'm much more sure that I'm this number now. All the Um, time this happens, right? Yeah. All of the time. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And as a six, just knowing that has definitely given me doubts about my own sixiness a number of times. Of course it has. (laughs) Totally. I literally just today messaged like a really good friend of mine. It was like, so do you think I'm social or sexual first? Like who gives a shit? And it's just so funny that I've just like, I just, I just need to know what she thinks. Like it just, 
it's hilarious. And then I like laughed heartily at myself that I just like had to get one more outside perspective on this little piece of. Yeah. Well, I found that the deeper I go for me, when the deeper I go and I've like, I'm now, I'm pretty clear on my instincts. I'm pretty clear on my try type and I'm fine. And I'm finding that the deeper I go, the more like of the, I can get some insights that I hadn't seen yeah. before. Yeah. And so I, I, I imagine think- it would be the same okay. in coaching. I would imagine it'd be the same in coaching. Like the more information we have, the more access I have as a coach to to help kind of pull out some of the things that are so deep in the subconscious that I think the yes. instincts and knowledge of the instincts is so helpful for. Um, to Yeah. It's to also a place though to get twisty forever. So I'm always just like, okay, are are we spinning somewhere? If we're spinning somewhere, we got to get under the spin, right? Because like for me, when I'm like, I got to know what's my dominant instinct, I have to know. It's, I'm just not in my body. I'm not doing anything. I'm just in a spin where like, I need to know something for whatever reason. And so I always just hold both. So I always just hold both. Like, why is this so important? Let's just be curious about when we get stuck somewhere. Um, But then let's also, if you want to, for sure, go deeper. The thing is, the deeper we get, it's like the less, uh, it's like the more icky things we're revealing. So how's your foundation with feeling icky about yourself, right? Like, let's make sure that's sturdy. Let's do that work first before we start continuing to dig in these tools and then use that stuff against ourselves. I think that's fair. Like, and personally for me, like I've taken my own Enneagram path, like just a little bit at a time. Yeah. So there's like lots of long pauses between I'm, I'm now this and now I'm now this. And I get, and like, what, what sequences might, I mean, I know I like every single thing that is written about self-press sixes is pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, and oh. like as a six, I think as a six, I have a lot of capacity to even hold that. Like uh, this is, this is also a both and like both. I'm pretty sure about this. Like I have a pretty high degree of certainty about this and I probably like, I'm open if like, totally. <laughs> it okay. would take like one or two Enneagram experts to be like, hey, Leora, have you thought about this? And I would, I would, I'd go there, I'd go into it. And that's literally why I don't ever do it. That's <laughs> yeah. it right there. Because I work with sixes specifically and only, I have certain practices or almost like non-practices in place. Like I, I sometimes do, but I always am like, Damn it, why'd you do that? Because every time I say to a client, it holds a weight that it shouldn't. Right. It, it gets a level of weightiness in them that it that it should not get. Like I know that my words hold weight that just is not uh it's not a fair representation of my actual influence in their life. I just hold that so seriously. Maybe too seriously, but I'm a six and that's how I roll. Okay. I do want to talk about the blind instinct though, because it's fun. Um, And ours are very different. So you think you're social blind. I really want to hear all your thoughts about that. Like how it shows up. Yeah. 
I, I'm still learning honestly about the sexual and social. I tend to think the reason I think I'm social blind is that when it gets described, it's talked about, there's like a definite warmth there, but it isn't warmth that's like extended to all. And I do have like a pretty particular, like I I'm warm to you should should I think that we're gonna like continue to get to know each other like I'll mm-hmm. invest and my warmth my warmth will come out should I think that we will have an ongoing reason or like we click right away and I believe that we'll be in contact in some way but otherwise I really I can't get to warm that easily and that is that is kind of described there's like a like a dryness uh or like even like described as kind of cold, which is not really what I'm trying to put off. Not like cold, but it's more of a withdrawn. This is going to take me a lot of energy. So because it's also like how am I perceived? The right. social thing, and so I hear you saying how I'm perceived is not necessarily my first. <laughs> in fact, perhaps the last concern of yours. Right like your read on the situation and your safety within is going to be front and center more what you're leading with. For sure. Whereas I'm just like, and then on the back end, I can be like, what? Like I can totally miss actually taking someone at face value, right? I'm going to lead with my warmth and my connectivity and my capacities because I'm self-pressed blind. Because I'm not actually worried about me, but I am. I mean, it's all me, right? It's all it's all our own safety. But just like the way that I go for safety is with the like warmth and connection and all that stuff. But then on the back end, sometimes I'm like, what happened? How did I, how are all these people in my life? <laughs> Whereas you wouldn't make those particular mistakes. You're going to take people in much more carefully selectively with a lot of attention to do I have time do I have energy do I have the resources like all of those are things that are considered it took me a long time in life to get to a place in which social groups felt comfortable like even just now I'm in groups like recently in the last handful of years I'm in groups that I'm like yes these are my people we chose each other it's mutual um and it's and it's um like deep there's this deep knowing that i belong and that's that's a pretty new like experience for me see and i have that same i could have said the same thing it's just a different like we talked about at the beginning it's a different way to distance in groups right, right? one is just more like i'm just not going there and mine is not going there but if i am there I'm either going to just blast the group with my freaking charm, which is so distancing, or I guess that's my only strategy, really. <laughs> if I'm just being a strategy, yeah. sometimes we do. Yeah, and I might not join unless I like have a, a sense that I'll, like, those are my people. So interesting. The calculation piece. Did you listen to my episode with my friend yet, Nicole? Uh, I've listened to all your episodes. Okay. Well, she talks about when her and I became friends, she did all this calculate, like you're talking about all this, like 
do I have the energy reserve? So what's this going to require of me? I don't do any of that. Oh yeah, that's very self-pressed. Oh, that's so interesting. She's going to hear that and disagree because we don't. She thinks she's self-pressed blind. See, this is why it's so twisty. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, these things I think, well, I personally think that we're all, all, we're all, all the instincts. Uh, okay. I agree with this. Say more. Yeah. And the, like, I they, agree with whatever you're about to say. I like the theories, the theorists who talk about it as like energy. And we yes. have like, we have this much energy category in self-pres. We have this much energy category in sexual. We have this much in social. And they're just different buckets with different access um, to amounts of resources and they some are firing forward more forward than others and in different times of life and in different times of life right there's yeah. some people that i listen to and i'm like um okay go ahead and grow up and have some more life responsibility and then we'll see about your surety of your i just get, i'm like okay yeah. Okay. It's like, it's different at different times of life. How could it not be? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I see me as moving dynamically through. Yes. That, okay. Okay. That's the other thing. Are we using these tools to be alive, dynamic beings, or are we using these tools truly to box ourselves in? And that's yeah. one of the pitfalls of going deeper and deeper into tri-type and instincts and whatever, is it really can get more boxy as opposed to more liberating. Right. And liberation is the freaking point, right? It really is. Yeah. I think it all depends on how you dive in and like, what are the, what are the tools? Who's guiding you? What are they saying about it? Like, I personally think that the journey to type and to that type of knowing is so 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 valuable but not not for the purpose of getting to type but for the purpose of getting out of type it's like i've heard you say like we don't know what we don't know we can't know what we don't know i hate that and all i believe of it the, <laughs> i know but all so we get to this place where like oh okay okay i i mean if you're if you're reading enneagram stuff and you're open to hearing and you're open to kind of seeing how that all of these words are reflected in your life experience. There is so much right there that's like, oh, oh, I see this in a new way. Like yeah. I can see this now in a new way and I can see it enough so, so that I have access to doing something differently. Totally. Yeah. And I also think, and I didn't used to like this because of my particular brand of sexiness and my um three and my eight fixes i do not like to admit <laughs> this, that we all actually do need community and support and encouragement and uh reassurance Oh yeah. And I, my sexiness is like relying on community support, symbolic support. Like mine uh, is too. I'm just in more denial about it. That's what I'm saying. Is you and I think more um self-pres leaning. So I just feel like there's an it there's a truth telling in that regard. And you get the more counterphobic, punchy ones who really are like, I don't need that shit. 
but I desperately do. It's a, every, as I interview more sixes and talk about it all more, I'm like, oh, counterphobic is just like, it's, we just, we just lie to ourselves a little bit better or differently, but it's, I well, I think it's like my, it's probably a lot of the counterphobia stuff kept me from really seeing that there were different options for help for a really yes. long time. Like the skepticism, the skepticism was so deep. Like I remember when I learned, I, I've personally gotten a lot of benefit out of Qigong meditation. And I've read that sixes in particularly resonate with this one particular style of meditation. So. But I remember prior to like adopting it into my like regimen, I was I remember being in a friend's backyard, kind of just like ex- exploding around like this isn't real, like this is mm. like it's not real and it's not going to help, and I'm sure it's not going to help. And why am I even doing it? And like, what are all these people? Why do they keep telling me to do this thing? Who's telling? Mm. And. and And then, but then I get to the like, but what if, like, what if, what if if there's there's something here for me? What if there's something here for me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You brought up Qigong meditation. What are some practices that you use that you cope? Like what are, give us some, give us some sexy tips. Yeah. Well, for me, consistency is like consistency and routine is how I've like started to build an infrastructure for myself around my own care of self, like my self care. So for me, it's very like, and I, decision-making can be exhausting for me. So not having to make any decisions, like I'm going to drink this hot, cold water when I get out of the bed first thing and then I'm going to go do my meditation and then I'm going to journal mm. and I'm going to um, like, take away some decisions from yourself. No decision Brilliant making. 60 yes. teaching right here. Yes. I love not making decisions, by the way. This occurred to me um, like there was I'm in this contemplative Enneagram group and there was this question about like, what if you allow another person to make the plans and do and like do all of that work and i just reflected in that time about like that's so dreamy dreamy just like do, that's you, how i live that's why i'm yeah. married to self pres one oh my I'm god like, i want away, people. Babe. i yeah. want all of the people who want to do all the planning and yep. just invite me and i'll show up and if I, that's all i have to do then that is like wonderful for me. I love that. I do that whenever I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Find me someone I trust. I will tuck under their plans all the live long day. But I'm yes. also not someone who worries as much about where are we going and who's going to be there and do I know where the exits are? Like none of that crosses my mind, right? I'm just like tuck under my one smart planning person and then I feel pretty safe and free to do the thing. Yeah. Well, because you have to be willing to not plan if you're going to seed the planning, right? You have to be willing. (laughs) Which was really hard because, like, I like I've seen myself as a planner for like all my life, and also just like as with that forward thinking and sort of anticipating, and and there is comfort in planning in the sense of like there's control in planning. I get to supposedly. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> perceived um, control and planning. Perceived control. Yes. Perceived control. Yes. But it is, it's a, to relinquish that is so freeing. It's so freeing for me. Okay, I love that. Okay. So less decision, take away some of your own decisions, right? This kind of wraps back to internal boundaries, right? What am I going to not allow myself in the morning at certain times of day because I put these other things in place. So, okay, give us a quick tip on how do you keep those habits? So it, like, it's actually harder for me now to not do the routines than it is for me to do the routines. Like, for example, if I go on a little vacation or like I'm away from my space, like I'll, I'll choose to set down my routines because I'm trying to do something else, right? Like I'm trying right. to be with friends. I'm trying to like have yeah. a different access to, to my time than this, the, what can be re- rigid in the regiment of like, of doing all the things that are about my care. So Saying in my day to day, I love doing the things cause I just get up and do them. Yeah, but what I hear you saying is it's just not that hard if you leave with self-pres. Yeah, that's what I hear you saying. All right, all right. So tip, uh, get your self-pres on and you too can have, yes, good internal boundaries and routines. It's really a gift. It really is. It's such a huge strength. Yeah. I really admire it. (laughs) Well, once I realized how much consistency really does, like it happened first in meetings, right? Because it's like a weekly thing. Bring your body to a meeting. Bring your body to a meeting. And then they're at the meetings. They're like, okay, try meditation. Okay. I'm going to try that on a daily. That took a while. That took a while. I will say that the times in my life, because I do tend to be a morning person and I do tend to have a morning routine. The times in my life when it's been the most consistent, it's, I literally just function better. Like everything flows more, uh, well when I've slept well, which we can't always, there's seasons we doesn't work, but when I can sleep well and I can set my day up right, that's kind of, it's so helpful. It's so, so helpful. helpful. It Get your body up. to a meeting. Is that a saying? Like, is that a... That, that, that just came out of me. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Like, just get yourself to... Bring your body thing. to a meeting. Bring your body to a meeting again and again and again and again until your mind goes online. Yeah. Until your heart is open up too. So do you think self-presers can just set rules for themselves a little more easily than... I think other sixes. I don't know about setting rules because I am not a rule follower in any way. And it took me a long time. Like I was, when I was first meditating, I was also making breakfast at the same time. Like I was not a, like I couldn't, I could, it took me a long time to settle into like, okay, this is the only thing I'm doing for this half hour. That's so good. Okay. Half hour is a really long time. Um, Okay, so I just love what you said because every six was just like, yep, like all the rules and none of the rules. Yeah. It's just like the six, it's so great that I just because as even as I'm like describing myself, it's like, I can't do anything. I don't have any rules. I'm like, I am the most regimented person. What am I talking about? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like I would never not show up to a meeting like this, right? Ever. I would never. Not sure. Okay. 
here's the question. Do you show up to things for other people as readily as yourself? Is there a, is it harder to show up for yourself? That's an interesting question. I think that like today's me is much more comfortable in showing up for myself first. And sometimes that can be with a, like a dual edge because it can, and I know this can look like, it can look like I'm just looking out for me. <laughs> like mm. it really can. And to the to the detriment of like every other people are like, wait, 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 what about me? What about like mm. are you looking out for me too? Because it can be so I'm actually really just concerned. Like I'm I'm looking out for me. But it's but it's that's been intentional. So you're saying that's not part of your like automatic sixiness. That's something this is something you've consciously chosen because you know you've actually uh starting to embody like you got to put on your own mask or whatever first yeah 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 that's part of that's definitely part of my journey like prior to learning those types of skills for myself Mm -hmm. I was definitely a million percent other oriented and without any kind of like awareness that that was just how I was seeing things. So I was doing, I find it found myself with people and in situations that I didn't really know how I got there. And I didn't even really feel like it was the right place for me. Like it took me a, a long time to realize like what, where I wanted to be, where I wanted to, like how I want to spend my time and energy. And, and what part are- of that is, growing up, right? Part of that is like, oh, I've landed in this life. I've got all of my stuff. And now I'm going to, I'm going to say, wait a minute, is this the life I want? Where do I want to go? I mean, part of that is literally coming to adulthood. And then are we able to do the work? And I think for sixes, it can be really hard of, is this my life? Do I want to be here? And then if not, how do we actually start to forge a new path yeah well I think unfortunately it appears we need help and community and whatnot help and community and a great slowdown honestly like if I reflect on one of my bigger and this is probably isn't not just my experience but like the slowdown the great slowdown of um like the international public health worldwide crisis of the pandemic the great slowdown was is fundamentally 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 changed how I look at time and how mm. I and how I spend time and how I de- mm. like I deliberate around those choices in ways that I never ever would have even considered like in the busy busy of the before ah. time there is something to that for a lot of folks right when we couldn't do anything then when we could do things again, we actually decided to choose. Yeah, we brought in the things that, and now it's more clear to me, I got a lot of clarity and it has to do with like, well, do we want to breathe in the same room? You know, like that's, that's a big, that's a big, when that becomes a big question, you really get that sense of like, is this an energy giving mutual exchange? Yes. Yes. And that, ugh. Yep. And then what if it's not 
And then we do the boundaries and the, all the things that we have to do yeah. because it is really easy to get twisty in those ways still. For me, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is awesome. Um, okay. How should we how should we wrap up this delightful conversation? It's been so much fun. Yeah, really fun. Yeah. Is there anything do you just like bursting to say to add? Anything we forgot? No, I don't think so. Okay. It's been so fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out and for coming. And yeah, all the best of luck to your business. We'll be we'll be in touch about how it's going and coaching and all the things. Thanks for having me, Kristen. It's been a pleasure. So much fun. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you are feeling like you are lacking the confidence to kind of start stepping out, start stepping toward people and things in the ways that we talked about in this episode, please go get Confidence Series for Sixes. I will have a link for it in the show notes. And it really is a step-by-step process to start moving toward doing the things that scare the crap out of us. So get it, use it, tell me what you think of it. Looking forward to connecting with you all again next week.